Yo, 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 everybody. Welcome back to today's episode of Guyney Sports Pod, the soon-to-be number one sports podcast in the world. My name is Sean Guyney, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Josh Sector. How's it going, Josh? You're doing well, Sean. How are you? Not great. Not great at all. Uh, I'll explain why during stuff on the internet, because it's a long story, and I figured it'd be good, something to use for them, even though it's not, like, on the internet, but... Find out why and stuff on the internet at the end of the episode. Uh, and we got a long episode. We got a lot of we got a lot of stuff to talk about, even though it's been only a couple days since the last episode. Uh, about the Bruins. We're gonna talk about them. Austin's on the way. People are probably gonna be resigning. People have already signed with the Bruins. Uh, the Celtics head coaching search is still going on. Uh, they've barely narrowed down their candidate list, but what is for what is for certain is for certain is the fact that the Celtics want a black head coach with coaching experience. Chauncey Billups fits close to those categories. Uh, also going to talk about the NBA and a rule change that could be coming. Uh, the guys' awkward shooting angles, drawing fouls, just stupid shit that should have been changed long ago uh, is finally going to be getting changed. Uh, and then maybe at the end of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about the Red Sox uh, struggling as of late and... And as always, to end the show, we got stuff on the internet. So, that's the plan. Let's just jump right into it. And I want to talk about the Boston Bruins, Josh. So, obviously, as we talked about last episode, they have been eliminated from the playoffs. uh, Mm -hmm. Second round exit to the Islanders. uh, Six-game series. Islanders moved on. Eliminated the Bruins. And really, that's really just been the story of the Bruins over these past... Over this run. Since back back to 2008... (coughs) when this 100%. team really really got to formation, um, including uh, 10 years ago today, the first Stanley Cup in 39 years, won by wow. the Boston Bruins in Vancouver, was today, 10 years ago. Hard to think that was 10 years ago, but... I know, right? It was. Jeez. And it sucks that there's... 2011. Just what? think about it. 2011 is 10 years ago. I know, dude. I, ba- I barely remember that series, but those are like my first conscious memories of a sports event happening yeah. live. Um, Bruins winning the cup, Char hoisting it, losing his hat in the process. I remember it vividly. But there should be more. There really should be more cups 100%. in this time frame. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, obviously, they've been to three. First one was Vancouver Series. They win that. Then the Blackhawks in 2013, they lose that. And then, in obviously, 2019, the Blues losing that series in seven games. Um I find it really similar to the dominant run of the Atlanta Braves from the 1990s to early 2000s. They went to multiple championships. They only won once. They had multiple seasons where they won 100-plus games, just like how the Bruins had multiple seasons of winning really the President's Trophy, having multiple 100-point seasons. Um, They had three Hall of Fame pitchers and a position player and a head coach. Bruins, pretty much the same thing. Three Hall of Famers, Chara, Bergeron, Marchand, Moore, probably Pasternak, uh, Grask, maybe Claude Julian, or Bruce Cassidy. Uh, plus, just just the, really, you could call it a dominant run for the Bruins, right? Since yeah, dating back to really like 2008, you could just call it you a could, dominant you run. Could argue that, you could argue that they've been the best team in hockey for the past 10 years but they don't have much to show for it. Yeah. I mean, really 15, because they've started their playoff run back in 08, 
um, Wizards team. Uh, 12 out of the last 14 years, they've made the playoffs. Two President's Trophies, 2013-14 season, then the 19-20 season. Uh, they won the five division championships. They won the Atlantic twice. Uh, and back before the realignment, they won the Northeast Division three times. Um, it's just, when you look at it, looking at the Bruins run and the uh, Atlanta Braves run, both teams had packed rosters, stacked rosters. I mean, they were head-to-toe, depth-wise, really good. Bruins not so much the past few years, but, the I mean, you get the point. I also look at it as just how how can a team that wins so much during the regular season not really just perform in the playoffs? Because that's the story of the Bruins. They succeed in the regular season, winning the President's Trophy, uh, just putting up numbers that make it look really good for a demanding, dominant, dominating playoff run. And then they just collapse. I mean, six out of the 14 years, there are second-round exits. Three times there are first-round exits. That's more. How many did they? How many did they lose in the in the conference finals? None. I don't think. Really? They, well, I don't think they've. I so. I, so they've not once lost they get the to the conference finals. finals, they're basically a lock for to get to the actual Stanley Cup finals. Pretty much. Pretty much. Jeez. I mean, I don't know why I don't have it written down. I'm pretty sure that they don't. I'm pretty sure that they don't. But um, I mean, it's just. It's just tough to see that they do so well in the playoffs. In fact, the last President's Trophy that they won, or the uh, the 2013 President's Trophy, they lost in the second round to the Canadians. I think they handled us in that series. Um, yeah, I feel like we got swept in that series. Yeah, I, I don't. I really don't remember that series at all. But it's just really. That's how I like look at them both. I look at it as just going talking about the Braves right now. Fifteen years of back constant, consistently winning their division. They won fifteen years in a row. They won three times when they were in the NL West. They got moved to the NL East in uh, 1995, and they won it there like ten years in a row. Multiple successful playoff runs going to the World Series five times, only winning once. But they also made it to the NLCS a bunch of times. And then, I mean, the NLDS really didn't come around until late 90s, and they lost there a bunch of times. But they put up dominating regular season wins, or they dominate in the regular season. I mean, they won they had six 100-plus win seasons. Uh, they had a 98-win season, a 96-win season, a 94, and I think a 90. But really, it's just how can a team that succeeds so well in the regular season just fall apart in the playoffs? I mean, with the Bruins in hockey, I mean, it just injuries. It makes sense for injuries, right? Because that's yeah. really been the story for the past few years also. I think um, I think one word to sum up both teams is obviously disappointing. Because when you have dominant seasons like that in the regular season, and you could, you could call both those teams a dynasty, right? Could we agree on that? Oh, yeah. Braves were a dynasty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you yep. could. So yep. you could call both those teams a dynasty, and, and then you only have one one title to show for it. And a lot of people wouldn't call that a dynasty, but I feel like all, all the other statistics speak for themselves. You know, dominant regular season, several Hall of Fame players, um, division titles, everything like that. So, 
it's just disappointing to see that some of these teams could get lost in history because they don't have many titles to show for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you look probably like 10 years from now, um, when the Bruins probably going to go through a little rebuild um, or when the Bruins do go through their rebuild. Um, I mean, you're really not going to think of it as a dynasty because of the fact that they only won one cup losing two other cups. I mean, really it's just, it, it, it there's a lot, there was a lot to have um, achieved during this run. I mean, you, there's multiple times where the Bruins had championship. Even right now, it's a championship caliber roster. Right now, the Blue Series. Right, right. Last, it, the past couple of years, they've been championship caliber. Um, it's just injuries late in the year, and they just completely fall apart. I mean, that's kind of like the story of hockey, but it's just, uh, it's, it's tough. It really is tough. And the Bruins did actually lose the conference finals back in 2010. I forgot. 20 what? What was it? 2010 to the okay. uh, Flyers. Oh, wait. No. Well, when you just like thinking it's about some of the Never mind. some of the Bruins finals appearances just in 2019 against the Blues, yeah, they had the one. chance to win. They were up they were up 3 to 2 after game 5, and then they lost the last the final two games to a to a rookie goalie nonetheless. Now the Blues won game 5. We went to St. Did Louis. They? Yeah, yeah. Blues won Game Five in Boston. Oh. I remember that game because that was the game that just ended the series pretty much. Then Game Six in St. Louis, the Bruins won there. Game Seven back in Boston, Blues won. All right. Yeah. Okay. Then maybe I was wrong, but still. <laughs> nah, that's right. Against a rookie goalie. Yeah. Yeah. That. I mean, that that definitely hurts. And now this season, Bennington had a kind of bad year. People are starting to wonder if he's really the legit, a legit goalie still. Um, it's just, it's one of those runs that could have been so much better than what they were. The Braves, they had a, I mean, 15 straight division titles, multiple appearances in the World Series that you lose. It's just one of those things that, what could have been, what could have been had they succeeded a little more, had they done something differently and won those series, it's, won those championships, where would they be, like, amongst all-time teams? Because, I mean, the Bruins have been dominant, really, except for the, what, 24, the two years that they missed the playoffs, 2014, 2015. I mean, ever since the Cup run, it's just been consistently good. I mean, multiple top three finishes in the league in the East. Um, the lowest that they've been since 2018 was fifth fifth in the Atlantic yep. when they missed the playoffs. There was just so much missed, opportun- missed opportunity during this run. I'm not saying that's over. I mean, maybe another two years because Marshawn Bergeron, they're getting up there. Krejci's getting yeah, up I there. Yeah, Brass- I wouldn't, I wouldn't Brass- call it over, but it's, it's definitely coming to an end. Yeah, I mean, it's closer There's to the beginning. Rarely, the rarely do you ever hear of players getting better with age, especially in hockey. Oh, yeah. Well, hockey, definitely. I mean, guys play until they're... 50. Yager. Yarmir Yager, he's still playing. He's almost Yeah, 50. but is he, yeah, no, I know. I know, but is he getting better? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're some of these players are way past their peak, Marshawn, Bergeron. They're way past their peak and no, not soon enough, they're not going to be contributing got, a lot to 
he finished to like third obviously in the, the perfection line and the team as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, again, it is closer to the end than the beginning, I'd say like maybe two or three years then. I mean, they're probably going to start thinking about a rebuild then. But, I don't know, it's just... I'd definitely like to see a title before it's all over. Oh, definitely. And I thought this was going to be the year. Just, I really thought this was going to be the year. But again, it's just another second right. round exit. Oh, and yeah. yeah, it just, it really is unfortunate. But, um... Oh, um... I don't know. It's, it, it's really just what could have been. Plus, both the Bruins and the Braves during these dominating runs, they both had one lockout season. Can't forget about that. Really? Yeah. Uh, the 94 lockout for the Braves, and then the Bruins in uh, 2012. Yeah, 2012. But, I don't know. It's what could have been. We still got another year. We still got another two or three years at least. Um, and, hey, you, know, you never know if it's going to come around again and, and with Pasta being the leader. Yeah, you know, I mean, what's his what's his career what's his career five six years from now going to look like? Like right. he's been in a league for already four, four or five years already. But he's still only twenty five years old, so exactly, he's still got a lot of time. Yeah, um, plus just who's who's going to be around him then? I mean, looking at the draft, it's going to take a couple of years for some guys to show up, but it. it it's interesting. It's interesting. But next season, though, next season, I feel like there's still going to be a strong chance because a bunch of guys want to say they want to come back. Taylor Hall, David Krejci, um, obviously the guys who are under contract now. But that's those are really the two that I want to focus on is Taylor Hall and David Krejci. They both want to come back. Um, Krejci says he wants a couple of days to think about to think about stuff. Um, I mean, I'm just going to take that with a grain of salt. I don't think it's that important. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, I don't see him leaving the team at all, especially now knowing him knowing that once Taylor Hall came to Boston, he started performing better. I mean, if he goes to any other team, he may not be as performing as well as he would in Boston. Exactly. And Taylor Hall, on the other hand, he said that, or obviously he wants to be in Boston. Everybody knows that. And he, and the best thing about him is he's willing to take a team friendly deal and, and, and take a pay cut. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he said he said before, and we talked about this last episode that he's made enough money in his career that now he can start looking at taking more team friendly deals to start now going after championships. Um, so I mean, really, just in saying that, if we can bring back both of those guys, plus they're already uh, Don Sweeney's already confirmed the fact that they want to go after depth guys. They want to go after guys which to is, add to which the fourth line. Which is most important, honestly. Yeah. Because we know we have the perfection line. We we know we have guys that can go out there and score and do everything. But when it comes down to it and, and injuries uh, start to happen, we don't really have anybody past them. And that that's where we get screwed in the playoffs. Exactly. Depths and defense, which he also said today he wants to, he wants to pursue a good two-way defenseman. Guy who can defend the puck well and also score a bunch of goals. Almost like a Kale McCarr type. Probably not a Kale McCarr type guy putting up twenty plus goals a season, like little definitely a little less than that, but more than what Charlie McAvoy put up this year, which I think was like eight or nine. Um, I mean, just really, those are it's those two things that you gotta do is just go after depth and defense. 
I mean, it's not much. It's still a lot of work, but it's still it's not much. And if that's all, if that's all they can do, I'm confident in this in next season. In the goalie situation, whatever no, happens, Sean, you know a lot situation. more about hockey and and sorry, you know that. a lot more about hockey and the Bruins than I do. Do the Bruins have a lot of money to spend in the, in the off season? Yeah, no, they're 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 in a comfortable spot cap wise. Um, okay, all right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother looking it up because depth depth guys are never really that um, expensive. Oh, never, never. You could get a depth guy for two three million dollars less, and then still have several million dollars to spend on uh, to spend on other necessities for the team. So if we can if we can get a decent amount like two or three depth guys for two or three million dollars, then I feel like that'd be a successful off season for the Bruins. Yeah. Um, all right. Whatever. But yeah, I mean, uh, just a fourth liner guy, fourth fourth line wingman. I mean, I'd say like the average contract of around the league is million and a half to two. A bunch of guys make less than a million, so I yeah. mean, they they have they have a lot of space, a lot a lot of room. Um, I mean, this offseason, I'm not expecting the Bruins to go out there signing six guys to completely revamp the bottom six and then a bunch of defensemen. I mean, I'm, I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting, like, to put a number on it, I'm going to say, like, three or four uh, guys for defense and depth. Uh, four. Four guys that they're going to go out and sign. They'll go on third or fourth line and also a defenseman. That's what I'm looking at this offseason. Uh, and when it comes to that money... um at most total between the four of them. Just not much. Not much at all. Right. Yeah. Not much at all. And the Bruins can do that. And I, I hope they do. Because next season, I feel like they'll have just as strong a chance to win the Cup as they did this year. No matter what the goalie situation is. If Rask, come, if Rask comes back or not, I mean, he's not going to be coming back until January anyway, so season will be half right. over by then. But I, just, I want to talk about the goalie situation. Yeah. Next year, obviously, Swayman is probably going to be the starter. I would like to say, while while Rask is first half of the season, injury. definitely, Again? definitely, definitely during the first half, yeah, of the first season. half of the season at least, and then we'll gauge where he's at when Rask comes back. So, who do you think if we make playoffs? Who do you think gets to start? If Rask is fully healthy by the time the playoffs come around next season, depending on how well Swayman did. I'm gonna say just Rask for now. Okay. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's a hard thing to predict, but I mean, the way that they handle him this season, being with Bruce Cassidy saying that he's the veteran, he's the, it's his goal. I'm just gonna look at it as really just, it Rask will be in net if by the time the playoffs come around next season, if Swayman does, if Swayman does really well, if Swayman does really well. During the regular season, even when Rask comes back, then it'll probably be Swayman. But I still feel like it's, it could be Rask just because it's still his goal for now. Yeah, but Swayman, obviously, he's going to be playing. He's going to be in between the pipes the first few months, three, four months of the yeah. season. So that's going to give him enough experience to hopefully produce in the playoffs and play well. So and moving forward past next season and in seasons after that, Rask isn't going to play forever. He's. I feel like he's going to retire within the next two seasons. Definitely. So you're going to have to give Swayman some playoff experience. So because he, I think so, and we think so, that he's the goalie of the future of this Bruins team. 
Definitely. So you, if, if you're holding out on him just because you don't think he's going to play well in the playoffs, well, I feel like you ha- he has to get that experience. Definitely. I mean, experience is everything. Experience is everything. You can't, you can't get enough of it. Um, so when it comes to regular season experience for a young guy, that works incredibly well. It could translate to successful playoff runs. Because um, we've seen that before where rookie goalies come in during the regular season and just transforms a team into championships. So definitely, it's definitely something that could happen and definitely something I want to see. Hopefully we do see. But, yeah, uh, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. That's really it. Um, but we're going to talk more about the Bruins as the offseason goes by because, I mean, it's it's really an interesting topic more so now than in years past. Uh, but we're going to move on to another team also in their offseason, the Boston Celtics. So, obviously, we talked about it last episode. Danny Ainge retired. Brad Stevens is the new president of basketball operations. And coaching search is underway. Uh... The only thing that's changed really in the two weeks since they announced like their list and everything that's gone on with the coaching search, uh, they've now announced that the head coach must be a black guy and he has to have coaching experience. Did they actually say that? Yeah. Those are like the two requirements now. Or are you just like reading through the lines? Those are really okay. well it doesn't have to be a black guy. <laughs> the person the person has to be uh of African American. Uh so it can be a man or a woman. Okay. Um but, I mean, I, I think that right now it's going to be a man, not to be sexist or anything. I think it's going to be a man. Um, and really just looking at the list uh, from last episode or from the last time we talked about it, uh, it was it was uh, obviously Chauncey, Chauncey Billups, uh, Darvin Ham and Charles Lee, uh, Jamal Mosley, and... Ime Udoka, who I think I think his stock has risen with the Celtics uh, since the last time we talked about it on Friday. Uh, Ime Udoka, Udoka of the Nets. Chauncey Billups is with the Clippers. Um, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter who they bring in as long as he f- just meshes well with Tatum and Brown because that's what the league is about nowadays is how well the coach connects with the players. So a guy like Chauncey Billups, who is a former player, a former Celtic, uh, he has head coaching experience. He's working with the Clippers, who have their big two, Paul Paul George, and uh, Kawhi Leonard. I see. I mean, I just I said it last episode. I'm saying it again. I don't see how he cannot be the best candidate because he's a who's Chauncey young, Billups. Chauncey Billups, yeah, Chauncey Billups. Uh, he has to. He has a, He's only been there for like a year or two. And, uh, the Clippers organization playoff experience making the playoffs a bunch of times uh, having two stars to work with he's really the perfect guy he's really the perfect guy um, another guy that fits both those descriptions Nate McMillan former coach of the Pacers uh, interim coach with the Hawks uh, depending on what what the Hawks do. I mean, well, no, he's only an interim coach, so maybe they, the Hawks go in a different direction. And well, it sounds like that, but it sounds like... Talks about Nick, say it again? It sounds like those two are in talks to make him the permanent coach. 
Yeah, right. But uh, NBC Sports posted an article saying that Nate McMillan is a dark horse candidate for the Celtics job. He played in the league for 12 years. Obviously, he's been coaching for over 10 years. And he's he hasn't been that great. I mean, I mean, he's successful with the Hawks right now, obviously. But I don't think he has a lot to show for his coaching career. Um, I feel... I don't know. I feel like he would be a better coach than Chauncey Billups would be just because I feel yeah. like he's, mm, I don't, I don't want to say a little more professional, but he's, he knows, he knows the game from a coaching standpoint standpoint more than Chauncey Billups does just for right now, at least. Uh, yeah. Experience wise. Yeah. No, that, that makes, that does make a lot of sense. Um, I, I know. Nothing. But if, if you look at the, if you look at the teams that he's coached, let's take a look. Yeah, right. well, you do that. I want, I want to know more about this Ime Udoka guy. Um, okay, yeah. All right, so yeah, you yeah, he's been coaching since 99. So for the first six years of his career, he was in Seattle before KD. So uh, he's, he's got a few 40 and 45 point or 45 win games season, win season, sorry, um, a 52 win season. And then he went after the 52 win season, he was with Portland. Uh, with Brandon Roy, LaMarcus Aldridge, that team. Another 54-50 and 50 win season. So, I mean, yeah, he's he's definitely in a good enough coach to win games. I feel like this Celtics team probably could be one of the one of the more talented teams that he's coached, especially with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and all the role players around. So if, if he were to be the coach, I feel like he could definitely get a lot done. And yeah. he, was in, he was in Indiana since 2014. That was right before Paul George left, uh, but he was only he was only uh, an, an assistant coach there, and then he got the head job in 2017. And then there he was 42, 48, 48, and 45. That those are his win totals for the four years he was there. Not bad. Now now we know he's in Atlanta. So yeah, um, I'm also looking up right now Ime Odoka, the Nets, his career. He used to play uh, in the league. He spent a Really, a majority of his career uh, with the Spurs. Um, he was there twice, and the Kings. Uh, and he's been co- a coach ever since then. Uh, in 2012, he became a Spurs assistant head coach. Then in, uh, he went to the Sixers for a year, and now he's been with Brooklyn for a year, um, or for this is his second year. I mean, he he's kind of just like the other two, the, the other two guys that we talked about, Chauncey Billups and Nate McMillan, uh, both former players who have coaching experience, uh, Ime Odoka and Nate McMillan more so than Chauncey Billups. But, um, I mean, he he was with San Antonio when they won, uh, I think, their last most recent title in 2012, um, or whenever they won the last title last and he was there for a bunch of years, so he's been under Coach Popovich. I mean, that's great experience. That's yeah. a great guy to be yeah, under. Um, then with the Sixers for one year, and now he's in Brooklyn. I mean, I, it really does make sense that there's a bunch of guys on their list. Um, I wish there wasn't as many guys. I feel like it. they could chop it down already uh, to make it just more concise and clear about what they're doing. Well, let's let's think about some of the other teams that are in are in need of a head coach. Uh, right. Pacers. Yeah. Portland. No. I know. Yeah. The, the Blazers, Trailblazers, are is probably the number one. And I saw today that they were in talks with Mike D'Antoni, former coach of the Rockets. Yeah. 
Becky Hammond, assistant coach for the Spurs, and Chauncey Billups. So, and we know that Damian Lillard is pushing for a player coach. He really wanted Jason Kidd. And then for some reason, upon hearing that, Jason Kidd was like, I'm out. So they went into a, another direction. So I'm just, I feel like we're not going to be the first team to hire a coach. It's going to be another team, and then we're going to test the market with whoever's left. Yeah, uh, that does make sense. And also, I mean, just bringing it back to the Celtics, uh, I feel like Brad, Brad Stevens, he's going to want to go out and look for a coach that, I mean, brings a different style of coaching to the game, coaching the game to the Celtics, um, different than what he did. Obviously, it was him. He was laid back, participation trophy award coach, like I called him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like he's going to want to go out and bring a go- bring in a guy who's more energized, more energized, more connected with the team. He's going to be a coach that players are going to want to be around all the time. I feel like that he's going to want – it's going to be a different co- – a coach who has a different coaching style than – what Brad was as a coach. He's going to want a guy who the Celtic the players can connect with and stay connected with and not separate from. Like, obviously, everything that happened this past season. Um, whoever that is, I don't know. But I, f- I just feel like that's something that Brad's going to want to do, is bring a coach who has a different approach to coaching than what he was. So, Or, listen, do you think he could be he would sabotage the Celtics Brad he brings in a coach that that isn't necessarily as good as him or it probably doesn't have that much experience as him and would make the Celtics not win as many games and not be successful in the playoffs I don't know nah. just something to think about no nah, I don't think that's something Brad would do um something evil like that no nah, he's not gonna do that he's he's he knows what his team he wants to win. He wants to win with this team. I mean, he could be here for another six years to finish out his contract. I mean, that's just another story for another day, what is his contract situation. But, um, nah, I, I don't see that happening. I don't see him trying to sabotage the Celtics. He's going to want to win a title. He wants to be the. He probably wants to be the guy who now constructs the team that wins the next title for the Celtics. I mean, that, that, that would look good for his resume to get another coaching job because he's not done with coaching. I mean, he's still fucking, no, he's, he's too fucking young to be a president for the rest of his life. He's going to get back into coaching and so I have a title like behind his name. Youngest, one of the youngest president of basketball operations like in the history in the, of the NBA. I, I wouldn't doubt it. How old is he? What, 44? Yeah, he's, he's young. He's young. He's definitely in his 40s. Um, yeah, he's 44. Yeah, he's 44. Yeah, he's forty-four. So, I mean, I don't obviously I don't know how old or young some GMs are in the NBA and of the history of the NBA. So I'm not going to go out there and say that he's one of the youngest, but I feel like he's got to be down there or up there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm also now that I just looked up Brad Stevens. There's a headline, uh, a billboard somewhere says, "Yeah, Time I'm, to I'm, shake I'm it up." Yeah, uh, the Celtics need a higher. Carol Lawson or Becky Hammond. I mean, just doing that. I mean, if the Celtics were to just hire the woman, a woman head coach, and again, I'm not trying to be sexist or anything, so I want to put that out there right now, a little disclaimer, but I mean, I hope they're doing that because they 
seriously thinks she's a legit head coach and a person yes, you can connect just with. Looking at it from a basketball players. perspective, no eyes for anything else. Yeah, like not trying to be the first team to hire as a woman head coach in professional sports. I mean, if it, it's strictly about sports, it can't be about. Uh, I don't know, an agenda to get a woman in the league. Because yeah. Becky Hammond's doing just fine as an assistant head coach. She's made right. just as many waves as probably any head coach would have made. I mean, she's doing she's doing good, but not. I hope I hope that's not the path to go down. Trying to follow an agenda that just happens too much nowadays in sports. But plus, um. Kara Lawson, she's been obviously one, probably the most mentioned head woman uh, candidate for the Celtics. I definitely want to write her off now because this uh, this uh, summer, she's coaching the women's Olympics three on three basketball team. So she'll be a, an Olympic coach. Plus, she just got hired down to down at Duke. Like I don't think she has a full season under her belt yet. Um, and she's going to be an right. analyst for the Olympics. For yeah, NBC. wait. She no, she's the she's the AD at Duke, right? Women's women's basketball coach. Oh, okay. Because didn't didn't Duke just hire a new AD and it was a woman too? I have no idea. I think they did. Maybe maybe it was Kentucky. It was one of the blue bloods in college basketball. I know, and they they just made history. I think it was I think it was Duke. But so yeah, maybe it seems she's got a lot on her plate. So she's probably not going to coach two basketball teams. No, not at all. I mean, she was just hired to coach Duke. Like yeah, right, exactly. Over just one season ago, so she's not going to immediately leave to go to the NBA, and she's bet she has a she has a she has a good resume, but it's not strong enough to, um, push her to NBA head coach status. So, she can definitely be written off. Becky Hammond, I mean, she's really just the last woman available, and I don't see that happening, because one, she's not black. Can't if she's not black, you can't hire her. Um. And two, she's she she'll she'll get a job. She will get a job someday. Uh, this team is just not it right now. There's, yeah. This team is different than some other teams in the league who are looking for head coaches because they're built for a champion. They're almost ready to be a championship caliber team. They are ready to be a championship caliber team. Uh, I think we just need a. I mean, there, one, there's, I there's one there's one position and a one solid position. coach away. So there's this job position. it definitely isn't for the faint of heart and. Definitely not for a person that's looking to feel out their options. You know, it's it's this the coach that gets hired needs to know what they're coming into and be ready to go right when they come in. Yeah, this isn't a team in the middle of a rebuild. To a coach can just come in and make it be the stopover for a couple of years. Then go get a more permanent job where they can now win titles. Um, no, that's not this team. They need a guy who can come in now and really shake up the locker room. And really just set the standard, like saying, walk in first day and just drop a bombshell on the players saying, like, hey, I'm a coach now. You don't fuck with me. Yeah. Different attitude. I mean, different, that's what they need. Style. And I feel like the players would respect that. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Bringing in an ex, ex player, definitely something important. Plus, um, I mean, another reason why I feel like Chauncey Billups would be such a great candidate is because of the fact that he has more name value when it comes to ex player than the other two do. I mean, when you when you what do you say, mean like when signing free agents? No, he's like the, when it comes to a coach having playing experience, he's a bigger name. 
Oh, yeah, one hundred percent. Obviously, his Finals MVP. Uh, with Finals MVP comes NBA champion. Uh, several All Stars appearances. He, he's got a lot under his belt. So hopefully that that winning pedigree can attract uh, some good free agents too. Yeah. Plus, I feel like it'd also be something that the players would want to look up to. Exactly. Like this guy. This guy succeeded as a player before, and now he wants to lead us to that same, that same. Uh, pedestal so no that that's something that I, I feel like it's also another uh boost for chauncey Billups to be the next head coach and hopefully i want to see that i do want to see that i do want to see him be the next head coach but who knows who i'm just knows? excited for the rest of the coach search i feel like we're I, I, like i said this before i don't think we're going to be the first one to name a head coach probably not so i think i feel like the blazes are and i feel like mike d'antonio is mike d'antoni is probably the number one guy that they're going for just because Dame and Harden are very similar players. And we know the success that D'Antoni had in Houston with Harden and hopefully their Blazers are looking to replicate that success. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously D'Antoni isn't, isn't even on the Celtics list. So if he's the one taken, that's good for us. Yeah. He's a white guy. You can't take white guys. All right. Um, we're going to stick with the NBA now uh, because I want to talk about this rule change going down or a possible rule change going down in the league. Uh, so Woj, it was a Woj bomb pretty much the other day, uh, yesterday. Um, the competition committee met yesterday to uh, explore rule changes to restrict unnatural shooting motions during jump shots to draw fouls. Something that uh, guys like Trey Young and uh, James Harden both do a lot of. They shoot sideways. They shoot. They lean into guys as they're shooting to draw that foul. Something that I hate. That I hate. I hate it. It should have been done years ago. Um, and now finally, it's something that the league's gonna look at because it'll speed up the game. Less guys going to the foul line because that takes more time. Uh, during the game. I feel like this isn't even something that they need to implement. Just literally tell refs. Don't give these guys the, the foul calls if they're doing some unnatural shooting motion. You know, because nah, then player, I feel like it doesn't even have to be stated. Nah, because then the players are gonna start bitching about the refs. Well, I mean, even there, more that, there's gonna be players bitching regardless. You know, once it becomes if it's set in, if it's written on paper as a rule that you have to jump straight when you're shooting. Yeah, like you no, can't I jump sideways. Can't I move sideways. Had to shoot and there, stuff. There's obviously still gonna be players that bitch and moan about it. Yeah. I, I, you know, some some guys have made their careers on this. You said James Harden and, and Trey Young. He's most famous for it, even though he's he's only a third year player right now. Yeah, I mean, I've seen even like guys like Marcus Smart and Tatum. Those guys do it sometimes. I've more most most commonly I see it in Smart taking a deep three. He would like jump sideways or jump yeah. forward as he's shooting. They're just, they're just trying to draw the foul. And that and it just takes away from the entertainment of the game. Exactly. You know, it's not fun to watch just players go and shooting 20 free throws a game. Exactly. And when they could be making a, a nice crossover or skipping a pass to, to a made three, you know? It takes out the fluidity of the game. Yeah. Plus, I mean, it just it's just also like affecting like the defense, I'd say. Because the game's really now just becoming more offensively focused. Very little defense has ever played, and so by um, implementing this rule, guys can be guys on both sides of the ball are going to be more aware um, as to what they're doing. So, 
that's something that I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, they just throw it in right now. Or actually, they're, uh, looks like they're going to implement it during the uh, summer league this season, this summer. And then at the start of next season, they're going to test it during the summer league. And if it works well, they're going to implement it during, to start next season. So, good. Well, good. I feel like they're, they're not going to have enough examples, I guess. It's a small sample size in the summer league because I feel like in the summer league, it's a lot more younger players, obviously, and they're trying to do something. And they do the to, same thing. To show coaches and, and certain teams that they can actually play the game of basketball instead of just looking for a foul. So they're not going to get a lot of what they're looking for in the summer league, you know? No, no I definitely know what you mean. Um, but it would also now – it would be like the testing period for officials to – Yeah. Like get get used to it, um, you know, like get, get used to like calling it, t- looking up, being, being on a lookout for it um, to then call this player for like a flop. I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to like call it like a flop if a guy does lean into a player when they're shooting. Because, I mean, when that's really what basketball should be about is when it comes to shooting. I mean, just jumping straight up, not trying to lean sideways or shooting around guys or stuff like that. I mean, you just got to jump. You just got to jump and shoot. You don't got to lean or move around any extra than what you need to do. Um, and so they're, like, going to call it a flop if a player does that to, like, draw a foul or contact. Um and, I mean, I just hope that this is, like, the start to really just changing the game to make it more entertaining again. Because ratings have been bad. Ratings are bad. Um, been terrible. Yeah. And they don't. I mean, they, yeah, it needs to be fixed. That, that, as strong of a place the NBA is in, I mean, entertainment-wise, it's just tanking. Tanking year after year, and they got to fix it. I mean, they're not going. They're, it's not going to be going anywhere because the money and everything is just insane. But nah, they got they got to change it. They got to bring the fans back and entertain it, and entertain the fans. All right, going to keep going now. Uh, going to switch gears and talk about the Red Sox. A lot of news going on with the Sox lately. Uh, just split a four-game series with the Blue Jays. Uh, and I mean. I just want to go back to the Sunday game. Uh, they played last night. They played last night. That was night. terrible. That was absolutely terrible. Yeah, Sunday game. Blue Jays won 18-4. to uh, Ryan Weber gave up most of the runs, and he has since been designated for assignment. So, I mean, that just tells you how really bad it was. Um, I mean, he, does, he doesn't deserve to be a major pitcher. No, nah, I... I flipped off the game for a little bit. I turned it back on like half hour half hour later, and he was still in the game two innings later. I'm like, what the yeah, hell? Yeah, no, I didn't. On? I didn't even. I didn't watch any of the game even a little bit because I get the updates from ESPN um, after every run is scored and just obviously the score update. I, I got the alert saying that the game started within five minutes. It was like four to nothing already. And I was like, I'm, I'm not going to watch this. Yeah, it's three run bomb in the first. Yeah. Like, I think a four run first. Um, I didn't watch the game, but all right, I watched some of the game, I didn't see all of it, but no, nah, it was it was bad. 18 to four is not something that you should be giving up. I have, I have a little stat about that game. So, the Blue Jays yeah. hit eight home runs on Sunday, just in obviously in the, in the one game. That's the most uh, home runs hit at Fenway by an, oppo- by an opponent. Yeah, just by an opponent. Yeah, in one in, game. Ever, in the history of Fenway. 
Yeah. Um, and then uh, the Friday game, uh, the Blue Jays also won that seven to two. Uh, they hit a couple dingers in that. I so I think like over a two game stretch, uh, the Red Sox gave up the most home runs in franchise history during those two games. Yeah. Um, and then uh, um, the Saturday Saturday game. Oh yeah, that was, Verdugo, that was the game I was talking about. Uh, walk off. Verdugo walk off, Christian Arroyo tying bomb, and then Verdugo walked it off in extras. So this very easily could have been a series loss for the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah. Last night it was another walk off win. Um, after giving up a home run at the top of the ninth inning, and Red, the the Sox were up one nothing. Then gave up the game tying bomb, bottom of the ninth. Still, they uh, Devers was a walk off home run. Yeah. Um, no, it was off the wall. Oh, was it? And Verdugo scored, yeah. All right. Yeah, I got up. But yeah, we know we walked off two to one. Verdugo. All right, Devers. Single to deep center. Verdugo scored. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, this tough stretch of pitching goes back beyond the Blue Jays series to the Astros series before this. Astros have our number this season. I don't think the Sox have won, like, one game out of these seven or eight that they've already played. No, yeah. So we we played them seven times. We only won twice, I think. Uh, sometimes I remember we, we had a stretch. It was actually funny. We had a stretch of ten games. We had a three-game series with the Astros, three-game with the Yankees, and then Astros uh, four-game series with the Astros. Yep. And it was funny. So me and my friends obviously have a group chat. My friends are Yankee are Yankees fans. And we, we obviously talk Shaco back and forth. Good. And um, he said that we were going to go 0-10 in that stretch of games, obviously just as a joke and whatever. And then I replied, I was like, no, we're going to go 3-7 and at the very least with a sweep of the Yankees. And it was funny because that literally almost happened. We went 5-5, five and five, swept the Yankees, and, and um, only won two games against the Astros. So it was actually very similar of, of what I thought was going to happen. Good on you, predicting it correctly. Um, yeah, it – it was, it's a tough it's been a tough stretch of pitching pitching has been lacking offense has been lacking the team in general's been struggling as a fleet um I don't know what the, like the last 10 games look like but definitely more losses than wins um and now there's a lot of talk about the whole uh foreign substance issue foreign substance issue in the league uh people thinking that the Red Sox were one of the main culprits I mean, it, it's been it's been shown that really since this foreign substance stuff started coming up a couple of weeks ago. Uh, since then, I mean, pitching has kind of struggled, fallen off. Uh, Erod got beaten up in the game. Pavetta got beaten up in the game. Martin Perez got beaten up in the game. Um, Core has been deflecting questions about this whole foreign substance cheating scandals and stuff. He's been deflecting questions about it. And then today at the... Uh, the league finally came out with their guidelines on how they're going to run, go about with it. Uh, players caught cheating are going to get ejected and then suspended ten games. Plus, the team will lose that roster spot. Will lose that roster spot. Um, so, if a pitcher gets caught putting stuff on the ball during the game, or if the catcher gets caught putting stuff on the ball during the game. Um, yeah, and there's. I was up. I was reading it's actually on the, about the guidelines that they just released. Um, there's like a fine line of what they can use. Like the, I don't even think they can use sunscreen. Like pitchers can't even go out there and use sunscreen 
just because that will would give them a grip, a certain grip on the ball, and would be deemed unfair. So I I don't even know what they can do. I, I doubt there is even anything. No, there's there's really not much. There really isn't anything that you can a pitcher can use to increase their grip on a ball. But um, what they what I do know is really just whatever the pitchers have been using. It's been increasing like the spin rate, the RPMs of the ball yep. by a insane amount. Um, I mean, it's been making hitters. It's been making it harder for hitters to hit the ball. So to have a game where you give up 18 home runs or 18 18 runs uh and a bunch of home runs i mean it, it would make sense like this team must have been cheating beforehand and now that they're not cheating uh yeah they're going to get these runs to go out there and, and let let up eight eight runs or eight home runs after even even after getting off of a substance that's absolutely terrible and inexcusable for a team as good as the Red Sox definitely definitely i mean the Blue Jays do have probably top five offense in the game. Vlad Guerrero Jr. has the lead to league, leads the league in home runs. Um, and he's, he's one. He's the league leader and in, uh, in all star votes for the National and American League. Yep. And he's probably the MVP front runner for the American League. Definitely. So definitely, guys. And then they have Obuchet, Marcus Simeon. Guys have been on fire for them. Definitely. Yeah. It's. I mean, they they. I'm not surprised that they put up 18 runs. They have the firepower to do that. Um, yeah. And 25 runs over a two-game two game span for the Blue Jays. I mean, that's really good. Really, I mean, if you include the Friday game, when the Sox won 6-5, that's 30 runs over three games. That's a, yeah. that's averaging like 10 runs a game. That's insane. Um, so it's just, it's just something that's interesting in something that we're going to be following now that it's really just baseball season uh, following the Sox more often um, as as things go on um, ho- will hopefully things change uh, they got a series with the Braves starting tonight um, down in Atlanta Atlanta's a good team they've been struggling though with injuries and stuff it, it, I, it's as good of a team they are they've been struggling and I want to see them turn it around now they need to turn it around uh, because I mean, yeah, race... it's getting towards that part of the season where you need to kind of find what kind of team you are and, and what players you have. Because we're probably about a third of the way now, a third of the way through the season now, and it's starting to get long. You still have a few more months left before playoffs, and you really need to dig deep and and, and find kind of the gel as a team. Yeah, and just move forward and keep winning games. Yeah, I mean, I'm also I'm also starting to think like maybe did this team like hit like a wall or something? Because during like their first, I don't know, like, I think it was like sixty games. I mean, they were just on an absolute tear, but since then they've just started slowing down. Um, so I'm starting to wonder like if maybe this team hit their wall and they peaked early in the season. I'm starting to wonder if maybe that was the case. Hopefully not. Probably not. I doubt it. But I mean, definitely just something that you want to think about. So, yeah, yeah. Now that the Rays, the Rays have the uh, top spot in the AL East right now, the Yankees aren't far behind the Sox. Blue Jays aren't fine, far behind either. I mean, it's a tight race. It was going to be a tight race in the AL East, and now the Sox just really need to hold steady, pick it up, and get going. 
because it's almost all star break, and after that, that's when things really start forming, coming into formation. I feel like the wild card is probably almost locked for the Red Sox at this point, and they have the fourth best record in the league. Um, only behind the Rays, White Sox, and A's, I want to say. Uh, I mean, there's only four. There's there's only four teams in the in the MLB. Five, sorry, five teams in the MLB with 40 wins, and it's the Giants, us. Rays, White Sox, and A's. So there you go. Yeah. Um, and we're only we're only what a game and a half behind the Rays. Yeah, something like that. And the, and the Rays have a series with the White Sox, so they'll probably battle it out. If we can take advantage of the struggling Braves in our series right now, then who knows what the standings will look like in a week. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, there's a lot of things that can happen with the Sox now, but we'll con- we'll definitely continue with them. Um, as the season goes on. Um, all right, before we get to stuff on the internet, Joe Josh, though, Josh, uh, talk a little Patriots, because why not? Uh, so, uh, minicamp started today, or they started in the past couple of days. Two days uh, ago, yeah. Yeah. No Stephon Gilmore. He'll be holding out, uh, looking for a new contract. Also, today, Cam had a horrible day. Horrible day. Did he? Uh, it sounds like the Patriots have been given a majority of the first team reps to Mac Jones. Really? And he's been doing well, and Cam's been struggling. Uh, well, I saw I saw during I was watching Colin Coward's show a few weeks ago during rookie mini camps, and Mac Jones was was strugg- struggling a lot because uh, I mean, just because he wasn't doing all that well. Um, and they didn't in the Patriots organization didn't really know what they were going to do with the QB situation. Um, and I, I bet there's even a more confusion now that Cam's struggling. So, and I think Mac Jones wearing the number practice number 50 still is kind of, it's kind of making me nervous. You know, some, some rookies kind of break out of that Bill Belichick tradition within the first few weeks after producing in practice. I know it's still early, but, you know, as a first-round quarterback, you want you want to break out and get your number quick. Yeah. Um, it's just, I don't know, with Cam and Mac, I mean, that's going to be probably the most watched QB competition in the league um, because obviously we saw how good or how bad Cam played last year. Media around the country thinks he's still incredibly a- accurate an MVP caliber quarterback. And now Max coming in, he's doing better than Cam. I mean, especially today. Cam was frustrated. He took his time getting to the media. And when he got to the media, he didn't talk for long. Um could could it be getting to his could could it be getting to his head now that he's not that good anymore? And now that Max's been getting a majority of the first team reps, the Patriots are like trying to fast track Mac. Uh, so we can be ready for a week one start. Who knows if that's the case. So definitely some other stuff that we're going to be following. Probably going to get to a lot more next week um, because obviously why not? going to need stuff to talk about, so it'll be the Patriots mini camps. Uh, definitely want to talk about the Gilmore situation. Uh, plus uh, John Lee Smith the other day went down with a hamstring injury. It's not great. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll be getting to a lot of the Patriots stuff next week. But uh, we're going to wrap the show now. Stuff on the internet. Josh, what do you got? 
All right. Madden, EA Sports. Madden 22 is set to release in September. Uh, the release date isn't out, but it usually it, it usually releases early September. Um, and EA Sports released a trailer yesterday uh, talking about the cover athletes and when they're releasing the cover. Cover is set to release June 20, or it's June 17th. And the trailer yesterday was kind of funny. They had former cover athlete Peyton Hillis, also former running back for the Browns. His career didn't really pan out all that well. And only God knows what he's doing right now. Um, but there's a lot of speculation between the trailer. It was him coming out of – Peyton Hillis coming out of a barn with two goats. So I think there's a lot of speculation about there's going to be a dual player cover for the game this year. A lot of people – think it's going to be Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes because it was a, like a grown-up goat and a baby goat. So, who yeah. knows? That's that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, I always followed the Madden cover speculation stuff for like all the years um, to have like two yeah, guys at once. I mean, Madden curse is always a big thing. Yeah, well, I mean, Brady, you guys have beat that yeah. before. So, I think that's yeah. – I think the Madden curse is about to be dead. But, no, that would be something cool. Uh, to have two guys on at once, the baby goat, the and the original goat. Yeah, that's something cool. That'd be that's something that maybe I'm looking forward to. Always looking forward to like the cover release date. What'd you say, June seventeenth? Yes, June seventeenth. So today's Tuesday the fifteenth. It'll, it'll be out on Thursday, so Yeah. Cool, cool. Alright, my stuff on the internet is not obviously not on the internet. Uh so Mentioned it before during the beginning of the show. Uh, Josh asked me how I'm doing. Like always, I said I'm not doing good. So, just a little PSA. A uh, little PSA. Uh, do not ever drive drunk or distracted. I didn't. It wasn't me. It wasn't Josh. But the other night, middle of the night, uh, in my house, I hear a loud bang outside. I go to the window. I don't see anything. Look up the street. I don't see anything. But as I'm standing there, watching, looking up the street, I see a cop coming down, drives past my house, immediately throws on his brakes and whips around, puts on his cruise lights and stops in front of my house. So I go outside, and my car is all smashed up. Somebody, they got reports of a reckless driver in the area, so they were out patrolling. Uh, some guy smashed my car. The guy was coming in the opposite direction of my car. My car was on the uh, right side of the road. Guy was coming down the left side of the road and he veered over into the other lane into my yard because my car was parked in my front yard and he smashed it up. Axle damage, possibly transmission damage, definitely bodywork damage. Uh, and then the guy took off also. Not, Don't forget that. Uh, really, I'm just saying is this if you hit somebody, especially, don't run. That'll get you even more. That'll get you even more shit. Um, if you're drunk, don't drive. Get a ride. I mean, Uber exists for a reason. Lyft exists for a reason. And that reason is to prevent people from driving drunk. Uh, and if you're texting while driving, I mean, just don't do it because anything can happen in a split second. If you're looking down at your phone, if you're looking down at anything, just that split second that your eyes are off the road, you could get fucked up. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully this guy will get fucked up. I mean, he was a young guy. I mean, I want I want to press charges. I don't I don't want to go down that legal pass. But I mean, what he did was not cool. He hit my car, popped his tire, his fucking 
grill was in my driveway. Hit my car. Did you, probably... did you guys catch who, whoever it was? Yeah, so the cops, as the cops were coming down like my street, they passed a beat-up car with a pop tire. So I just turned around and lit him up and arrested him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. Well, dri- driving is just one of those things you can't really mess around with. Obviously, like you said, things can change in a split second, so you always got to be safe. Yeah. Yeah, don't drive drunk, don't drive distracted, just be just be fucking smart when you're on the road. Definitely one of the areas of anything where you don't want to mess up. You don't want to risk anything. Car damage, personal damage or hurting somebody else, whether it's a person or a property. You don't want to do that cuz this guy's insurance rates they're about to go through the fucking roof. Yep. But uh, that's my stuff on the internet, even though it's on the... I mean, if you had me on Snapchat, it was on my story. So technically, it was on the internet. Yeah, stuff on, stuff on social media. Hell yeah. Fit, I still fit the bill. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys for listening. A lot to talk about next week. Pat's minicamp. Is Will Stephon Gilmore show up or not? Will Cam Newton still be a starter or not? Red Sox, Pelly Bruins, Celtics, all on the table next week. And that's the plan. So when we're back next Tuesday, Josh... Sounds like a plan. All right. Tell your friends, tell your mothers, tell your mother's friends and your friends' mothers, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace.